1: Welcome to the Midside where if we take a road trip in a van, it's because we're in the Dharma Initiative. I'm your host, Justin Emblenski, the hopeful romantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. We're in the second week of the Mac Jones era, so we're going to talk a little bit about him and the conversation we have about sports stars and when we're building sports stars. Uh, We have a follow-up from last week on CBS's show, The Activist. Have a little bit of conversation about how COVID is affecting my wedding. And of course, we have uh, AOC's dress at the Met Gala, which caused a lot of controversy this past week. So those are all the topics we'll be discussing. But first, let me bring in my co-host, joining me this trip from Dale's Lawn. Identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello! What an exciting week.
0: Uh, Went to some training this week, uh, some leadership training, had a lot of fun, met a lot of really awesome people. Um, And then uh, came back and uh, apparently uh, a bunch of people uh, at the store got COVID, everyone's fine. Everyone's actually already recovered, but of course we have to quarantine like wait till their mic till they're uh not you know i think it's you know so many days since a negative test or whatever how uh, many children did their recovery cost william how many uh, how children? much how much, how, how much hospitalization did it take zero um so uh no how many children <clears throat> i how many children i don't know all, all of them um but uh, the that right just meant, all uh of them is the right answer <laughs> that just meant i've been working a lot in the store and uh which is it? Has been fun. Uh, but the, this weekend has mostly been uh, lots of hours at the store, and my my business partner has been spending like twelve hour days there. So, uh, but uh, it's been it's been uh, it's been fun, and uh, boy, the store has never been more organized and clean. It's interesting uh, how much the when you have both owners in the store, how much uh, things are just like, oh man, this could be better organized. This could be better organized. So uh, it's uh, I think a lot of people are going to be coming back from there from there. Uh, COVID vacation, and uh, well, one, disappointed because uh, being a small company, they don't get their uh, COVID sick pay. They just have their normal sick hours. So some people are going to be disappointed, maybe a little hungry for hours. But then on the other side, uh, how how clean and organized the store is now?
1: vacation. Oh, I was trying to think of something. Yeah, COVID <laughs> vacation. I was trying to think of a term or something. How is the term not developed for that yet? I don't think with this going around that this would be a huge term right now. You would think. You would think. Is the store more organized simply because you guys are more competent or because you care more? I'm leaning towards the latter. I think it's probably a bit of the latter. Uh, That being said, I think
0: uh, my business partner is just that type of person where – you know the 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 more he'll just find optimizations if that makes sense so he's just in there and he's just like he'll he'll put the time in right to uh all you know reorganize the shelves so that they're so that they're more organized he'll he'll makes he'll sense. see he'll see oh this will save us 5 minutes when the when the food gets delivered from the delivery service he'll see that and say oh that'll pay off and then he'll do it
1: right i like just that more that's some good at, thinking yeah, yeah yeah i like that i like that Well, COVID's been affecting me too. It's been affecting uh, my upcoming wedding. So let's talk about that in Life on the Midside. As always, if you want to support the show, you can do so on Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode, Locals is per month. We accept any and all support, including affirmations. That's the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash Locals. And I'm going to pat myself on the back there. That was a good quote unquote read. I really, That was a good plug. I did that really, really well. That's not a professional. When I said it, I don't know how it sounded to all of you with the audience, but I felt good when I said that. Now let's go into some talk that makes me sound like an idiot. So William, as you know, because you're invited and I'm assuming you're not going to cancel on me, right? You're coming to the wedding, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, this COVID thing. <laughs> what's <laughs> What's crazy is you say that, but that is the response that I've been getting, that we have been getting, right? So the wedding's coming up in a few weeks here. And obviously, or obviously, honestly, we're probably going to take a couple weeks off from the show. Just because I don't really have time right Lives. now. to get A couple of live show from the wedding, live from the wedding. <laughs> Maybe William can do that. <laughs> William will get on Discord on his phone during the wedding if you all want that. No. I'm not going to disallow that. That would be for, funny. For
0: the record, we did do a lot. Li- we did do a uh, a show for for the bachelor party. So uh, precedent has been set.
1: That's true. That's true. But the Sunday after the wedding, we're going to go watch NFL football. That's and right. then the following Sunday, uh, I don't know if you know this, Newfound Glory was going to do a 20 year anniversary tour for their self-titled album. But they can't do that because of COVID. It just messed up all their plans. So the last show on the tour is at the Orlando House of Blues, and they're playing that album all the way through. So I'm going to that show as well. Oh, exciting. Yeah, we just had the uh, Pop Punk Still Not Dead tour here. So. Yeah, that's what this is. It's the last leg, and they're here on Saturday and Sunday, so I'm going to both. Nice. So off-air, William asked me how much merch I'm going to buy. Apparently, I'm <laughs> going to buy all of it, because I also already have two tickets. So <laughs>
0: Nice,
1: nice. Yeah, I, I, right, sent, so. I,
0: sent a, I sent a picture. I'll post it to Discord. There's this nice, like, uh, I don't know what you call that, like a... Like a, it's not a poster because it's it's cloth, and it's not a flag because it's
1: too big to be a flag, but uh, banner, I guess you'd say. I, mean, I think banner. banner was the right term. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be buying that banner. I saw there are also pins that I'm going to be buying. Anyway, this is really nerdy. Um, <laughs> all the hot Newfound glory talk on this podcast. Oh man,
0: the that's point what the being fans are here
1: for. We're gonna we're gonna miss a couple episodes here. We're gonna take a couple weeks off. I think it's acceptable. I think with our track record and all the time we've taken off, we've not. We taken haven't taken off. any COVID vacation. That's true. Yeah, that's true. We, we we've been recording all of COVID. You know, we have our our yearly break, but besides our yearly break, we've never taken any random time off in ten years. So I think that this is acceptable. I'm not so I'm not taking off due to COVID though. Whereas people are doing that for my wedding, we've had people cancel from California. People cancel from D.C. And then and I don't want to name any names here. I'm always hesitant to talk about my personal life on the show because, you know, it's not about the doxing or anything. It's just like I don't want to blow people up on the show. That's not my purpose in having a conversation like this. My purpose in having a conversation like this is a is a trend I've noticed. So I received an email. I won't say from who. I will say that the person lives in Canada and asked, are you and the bride going to get tested? Which is funny to me, William, because it doesn't make a difference if only the two of us get tested. Everybody at the wedding would have to get tested. So, why isn't the question, is everyone at the wedding getting tested? Is it simply because we live in Florida and people are afraid that the Floridians are going to. You might catch the freedom. Right, infect the rest of them. And that's what I'm starting to notice. I'm starting to notice that people who live and I hate that it's so political like this, but people who live in more far left places, places with these extreme measures are the ones who are more afraid of Florida and of covid. And I'm not the only one saying this. There was actually a clip that's going around of Bill Mayer on Jimmy Kimmel. And if even he's saying this stuff. Wow. So. Let's play that clip. Let's play that clip of but uh, I, have Bill I have to cite
0: a, a survey that was in The New York Times, which is a liberal paper. So they weren't looking for this answer. But they were talking about uh, this. The question was, what do you think the chances are that you would have to go to the hospital if you got covid? Mm-hmm. And Democrats thought that was way higher than Republicans. Forty one percent of Democrats. And the answer is between one and five percent. OK, 41 percent of Democrats thought it was over 50 percent. Another 28 percent thought it was 20 to 49 percent. So 70 percent of Democrats thought it was way, way, way higher than it really was. Liberal media has to take a little responsibility
1: for that, for scaring the out of people. (laughs) So, William, we've talked about this from the beginning. We've talked about probability and odds. We've said the odds of catching it, the odds of being hospitalized and the odds of dying from it are all very low. So if you put all three of those together, it's extremely low that all three of those events would happen. But what this clip is showing is two things. One, people's risk assessment is terrible. People don't know how to assess risk. Then, more specifically, people who are, and I don't even think it's just the, the quote-unquote liberal media, as he says we don't like to use liberal on the show, we say leftist. You know, I don't think it's just the leftist media, William. I think it's also just where you're living. And if you're around a bunch of other people who are afraid all the time because you've got these mandates and this constant messaging, then I think that's going to make you more afraid. Whereas here, uh, you were here, William. Did it seem like there was a virus here? Did it seem like there was a pandemic here when you were here? No, no. There was hardly
0: any time where we even needed anything, right? And, uh, and no one acted differently. And no no one acted any differently either. Um, it was funny. It's 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 different even here in California because uh, as all of you know, I live in Dales Lawn, which is in L.A. County. Uh, the training was down in San Diego County, and uh, is in, in Escondido. Uh, now workers have to wear masks, but no one else does down in Escondido. Now, there's other different rules. I don't know what the exact rules are in San Diego County, So, but I, I, I can just tell you from my experience. When we were in the convention center where the class was being held, There's probably 40 people inside. While in the hallways of the convention center, we were required to wear masks. While in the class, we were not. Now, they did set us three to a table, which meant we were very spread out, okay? Uh, but... Obviously there was food and coffee and everything else, and basically we were just not required to wear a mask. It was sort of the uh the restaurant rule applied, if that makes any sense. But then in the hallway, you had to wear masks. Now, the the just to describe the doors between the this wasn't like a convention center where it was like upstairs and up a an elevator, stuff like that. This was on the ground floor and the hallway, like all the doors along the hallway were leading to outside. So like you were no one was in the hallway. You were either in the classroom or outside, or you know, walking to the restroom, right? Like that, that's the only time you were in the hallway. But you mu- you you had to require you know it was required to wear those masks in the hallway. So uh, even in in the county, the county to county difference in California, the fear difference is there,
1: right? Because think of what that does to you when you have to always remember, put on the mask, put on the mask, put on the mask. It's a constant reminder that, oh, there's this terrible virus out there, blah, blah, blah. And again, I've said this over and over again. If there was, this would be valid. And honestly, with this whole get tested thing, vaccinated thing, we're not asking people's vaccination status at the wedding. We're not asking anyone to get tested. Do your individual risk assessment. I have done the risk assessment. We have done the risk assessment that holding this wedding is not going to likely endanger anyone. If we thought the pandemic was that bad, or the virus was that bad, you know what we would do, William? Not hold the wedding. It's that simple. If you can't have a bunch of people together, you don't. But here we can. And it's so interesting to me, William, that we're starting to see, and maybe it's simply, I'm only seeing it because I live in Florida, but we're starting to see this divergence with The way people think about things based upon what their stimuli is on a daily basis and we have to think about how that affects the rest of our lives and everything else we believe we don't have these conversations you know this was probably not as stark before because we weren't aware with social media but it really calls into to question this practice of commenting on people living in other areas and caring so much about what's going on in other areas. You we still have very different lifestyles in different areas.
0: Yeah, it's uh and I I'm I, in a way that's a good thing, right? Like I love the no, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. The diversity we have. Uh now when it comes to uh protecting individual rights, that's where that uh, bothers me a bit, right? I mean, here we are uh, here we are in, in LA County, even the difference between LA County and San Diego County. Here we are in LA County, uh, requiring, um, bars and nightclubs and then gatherings, large gatherings, so like stadiums and things like that, uh, to have proof of vaccination or, uh, a rapid test within the last 72 hours in order to get in, right? That's, that's, that's the requirement now. And there's talk of extending that to other things. And, uh, you know, like, we're not, like, I'm not going to be able to enforce that in my business. Like, how would that even work? And why would I want to? Who's going to pay for me having an extra person to check these things? Um, and then, like, what am I supposed to do? I already have a hard enough time keeping the uh, mentally unstable out of the store. Uh, am I supposed to require their vaccination card as well? I, this I don't know how they're going to... Uh, continue to trickle this down but you know it's going to trickle down further before the pushback yeah i mean
1: la county trying to overlap covid policies with the homeless crisis is one of the uh, uh yeah, i don't days. know how it's
0: yeah i don't know how it's gonna yeah. work i mean it it are they supposed to have their their vaccination card on their phone too i mean we all we all have this uh you know you can get it in <laughs> your your apple wallet or your uh yeah. or google play wallet you can get this vaccination card which i have because i got, got vaccinated a long time ago um, you know, are, are we supposed to require that? Are we're supposed to scan that on the way in? I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, <clears throat> even in, even in the store uh, and Justin, you'll, you'll appreciate this. The number of people, cause people are in town for the, uh, for the race in Long Beach. Uh, the Grand Prix is, uh, next weekend. And, uh, people from all over the place, Paris, uh, I met someone from Germany, all sorts of people are in town. Uh, even those folks are not wearing a mask inside now we're supposed to like i don't know refuse service tackle them something i don't know what we're supposed to do but you know we're just being nice and they're they're not from here obviously people from different parts of america as well they're they're like oh can can we sit inside oh yeah absolutely they're they're not wearing a mask when they're in line right and um it's fine Right. Like and and we're seeing, you know, no one I'm waiting for the California Karen to remind them to wear their mask, but it hasn't happened yet.
1: Well, and that's that's the lesson in all of this. That's the lesson in all of this is no matter where you live and no matter what the culture is there, you need to check yourself against it and make sure you're living in line with reality and not whatever the accepted social norms are. You know, when you go in a store, are you going to get in trouble for wearing a mask or not? Should you care whether you're going to get in trouble or not? And it it, it extends beyond COVID. It extends beyond COVID. Just whatever is normal, don't act based upon what's normal. Act upon what you assess is best based upon reality. And this shows, I think COVID really shows how difficult that can be, especially this situation, especially with people reacting completely differently to traveling to a wedding. It just shows how important it is for you to keep in touch with your values, and your risk assessment based on those values. All right, let's move on here, follow up. Uh, last week, we talked about the, uh, the CBS competition series, The Activist, which was basically going to be sort of like a uh, crap. The Apprentice is the word I was looking for. Uh, the Apprentice style show with uh, some celebrities following around some people who raise money for causes. They're activists for causes. But there was such a backlash against it. And it wasn't a backlash, William, from people like you and I, calling it like the oppression Olympics. It was the, a backlash from people basically saying that Hollywood is trivializing being an activist, they're defiling the holy. Is uh, is how I phrased it, right? This was this yes. is
0: like uh, someone saying, uh, you know, whoever put the first uh, televangelism on TV, right, must have felt this same pushback. How dare you put something
1: holy on on television? Well, it's actually and commercialized it, it. it. It's 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 more uh, it's more ironic than that. Because like televangelism that's on TV nowadays is just like they just put a camera on the televangelist and they talk. There's not a lot of production behind that. Yeah. Or this would have had super high production value, which is the irony of the whole thing. So there, there's a couple quotes I want to read and then I want to point out the irony. So, in a joint sta- statement, this is from Variety, CBS and producing partners Global Citizen and Live Nation announced the format switch, saying, The Activist was designed to show a wide audience the passion, long hours, and ingenuity that activists put into changing the world, hopefully inspiring others to do the same. However, it has become apparent the format of the show as announced distracts from the vital work these incredible activists do in their communities every day. The push for global change is not a competition and requires a global effort. Although footage for the original incarnation of the series had already been shot, this version of The Activist will be entirely new, with filming expected to begin from scratch. So, first of all, William, I want to sidestep the the discussion of the push for global change is not a competition. I don't want to get into a, uh, oh, you know, the, the typical objectivist libertarian point of, oh, yeah, you know, capitalism... Competition creates change and growth. Yes, we understand that. That's not the irony here. That's not what I want to to talk about. I want to talk about that they're going to film everything again from scratch. People were complaining that all they were doing was exploiting this. This is what Hollywood does. Hollywood, most of the people, you know, and I'm not talking about like the actors and such who are true believers. There are definitely true believers out there. But these companies... These high-level producers don't care. They're only marketing your beliefs back to you because they know they can make money off of it. You want to know how I know? William, how much money are they wasting filming this? Twice. And if they really cared about social causes, wouldn't the money be better given to one of these causes? Couldn't they say, okay, we're going to scrap this show and the money we would reinvest in it? to show our goodwill and to show our good faith in this cause or one of these causes, we're going to give it to that cause or we're going to split it to the six people or whatever it is. The fact that they're refilming this and wasting all this money shows how much they don't actually give a shit about this. And they, it's all exploitative.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I'm imagining like when they have to do movie reshoots and it's sometimes like a third to a half of the budget they've already
1: spent, right? Well, think spent of so far. the famous case of the Justice League theatrical cut. Yeah. Yeah. So they're starting from scratch.
0: I mean, just think of the – it's not just the money either. It's the time. Like these activists, yes. quote-unquote, like th- this takes time, right? Are they just
1: uh, – Well, it's not just the activists. It's all the, the talent. Yeah. And I don't just mean the talent that, you know – Usher and the other hosts, the celebrities flying around. What about all of these people who are going to be rehired to do this work again? They could be doing something else, but you're going to hire the entire crew again. All the man hours that are wasted, all the productive energy that's wasted doing the same thing again.
0: Well, I'm sure it'll be a great television show now that they're taking the reality part out of it, the reality competition part out of it. Like, what, what, what will this even be about? I guess it's going back to what we were saying before, which is a documentary on each uh, charity, each activist.
1: Pretty much. It sounds like it's going to be like a uh, sort of like a 60 Minutes type news magazine show now. It's an it's infomercial for each one.
0: Great. That'll, Essentially, that'll, yes. Yeah, I don't get great ratings. Well, and, I, you know, I think I said before, like, it would be a good show if you did a documentary style, right? But uh, or could be a good show. I'm not saying it would be a good show. It could be a good show, but you know, from the way they describe in the article, it sounds more like an infomercial,
1: right? Well, and that's the other irony here. This is the the irony I wasn't even going to address, but there is a value to having a reality competition format for causes like this. That is a way of raising awareness. But it's, as you said, the religious aspect of this, the sanctity of this means you're not allowed to do that. But think of the amount of awareness if this actually was a hit that this would raise. But they don't want to hear about that because they were worried about the sanctity of it, which then again, they're violating that without even realizing it. So this this whole thing, like somehow they escalated the farce in a week which again proves they'll never be peak farce, right? That's right. The farce and of overfloweth. Course, the farce it does because especially when we're talking about AOC. Like I can't even, did you see all this stuff coming out of the Met Gala? Like it's insane to me. First of all, the number of pictures of people in fancy dresses without masks and then all the help with masks on. People at yeah, the Hunger Games. pointed that out on the
0: on the ACS show. It's 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 it is. It feels like the Hunger Games. It totally feels like the Hunger Games. Uh I I can't say it. I get uncomfortable with uh just even looking at it and maybe that's it, it's just the science, right? I mean, we're we're just we're just following the science. We've got to follow the science. And the help have to wear a mask, Justin.
1: <laughs> what? Well, what? How does the science tell us? That? Can you break that I science
0: down for me? I, 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 well, see, they're poor and they're dirty, and so therefore oh. they must wear a mask. Oh, because they're dirty. Yeah. So if well, they're, they're if unclean. You're... Clearly, they're not dressed up in fancy dresses that. Uh, or wearing uh, see-through uh,
1: dresses like Megan Fox. So, oh, oh, okay, I get it. So if you're one of the elite, you know how to take care of yourself. Right. But everybody make, else you, who's, who's you, poor... You take care of yourself, yep, you test, you get vaccinated. Uh, only the poor oh, don't, don't
0: do all those things, so therefore... They because must, they're uh, stupid. The rest of yeah. us are stupid.
1: Yeah. That's why we need to be put in masks and forced to take vaccines and such, because we're too stupid to know what to do. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I mean, I get it. See, that's that's see so the, scientific. The, see
0: the see the folks the folks that are wearing the fancy dresses and and doing all this stuff they're performing they're performing right. But all those people that are bringing them food and drinks they're not performing so
1: they don't they they have to wear masks. Right, because when you're performing you're smart, but when you're doing things that like people need like bring them food you're stupid because exactly. who would who would bring other people? I mean, food? what that's other conclusion are we supposed to draw?
0: What other conclusion are we supposed to draw?
1: I mean, it seems pretty cut and dry to me that performers are super smart. People who you know know how to talk to people are the smartest people. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm I'm putting politicians in this category, like AOC. I mean, is there really a difference between a, a an actress and AOC at this point? Very
0: little. I I think the the transparency of their dress
1: is maybe the only measure we have. <laughs> Yeah, actresses say they're actresses. Influencers <laughs> say they're influencers. And you know, I've said this for a while. This is why I have AOC on block. So the fact that this actually got through to me shows how like large this was this week. Because I have her on block because I've always said she's the Instagram candidate. She's a she's the the gatekeeper influencer. If you've read my most recent article, the gatekeeper gatekeeper influencer as a politician. That's all she is. And I mean this latest stunt. So you know, we're talking about the whole masks thing and the unmasked thing, but it's actually a step worse. worse on her dress. She wrote the words tax the risk rich tax the rich. Now this is the Met Gala, which is like $30,000 per ticket. And she's wearing a fancy dress and she's saying tax the rich. And of course people are pointing out the obvious. Well, if you can afford to be there, then you're the rich. And then she says the medium is the message. So she's trying to get some sort of points for saying that because she's rich and she's saying tax the rich, that stands out. I mean, she even said her Instagram caption, proud to work with Aurora James as a sustainably focused black woman immigrant designer who went from starting her dream at a flea market in Brooklyn to winning some award against all odds, and then work together to kick open the doors at the Met. The time is now for childcare, healthcare, climate change for all. Tax the rich. I mean, this is this is what I mean when I say gatekeeper influencer, William. This is gibberish. This is all gibberish. <laughs> it's like all it, it, she she literally. This is it's literally like taking a bunch of Google keywords and putting them in an Instagram post, and then trying to to pass it off as the medium is the message. Again, it's the same thing as the last story. If you really cared, you wouldn't pay for the Met Gala ticket. You would give the money to someone who needs it or cause who needs it. But you think you're quote unquote, raising awareness when really all you're doing is growing your own popularity. That's all it is. And it's the same thing. This is why I hate influencers on social media because they act like they're doing it to help you, but they're not. Because if they did, they would give valid advice. But 90% of them, just like AOC here, are just saying the crap that they think's going to trend. She knew this would trend. She knew this would trend, and that's why she did it. What What is the message if the medium is the message? The medium is the message is we got in here and we infiltrated? Is that what she's trying to say, William, that they infiltrated this? Yes, an insider infiltrated.
0: I mean, who's more of an insider than an elected politician?
1: I, that's that's what I'm I'm genuinely confused about I'm, how she gets away with. How are and people tax the rich? How a-
0: much is this dressmaker making? I've I've seen uh, people are doing stories and saying like, oh, she owes a bunch of taxes in a bunch of different states right now. She's like behind in her taxes on a,
1: in a bunch of states. I mean, good. She shouldn't have to pay those taxes, so I don't give a fuck about that. But yeah, she shouldn't be posing with a dress that says tax the rich and make that dress, right? Yeah. But it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. The rules apply to you. They don't apply to me. It's well, just... That's true. I I, 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 I want to know,
0: was she wearing a mask while she was making that dress?
1: <laughs> Doesn't matter. AOC is, is vaccinated and she all loves sense. children and she protects and she, the... She, she wants to bring climate. climate change to
0: all? I don't understand that one yeah. either, but i mean <laughs> i guess she's pro
1: fossil fuels now <laughs> climate action for all like first of all the fact that she would even say for all because she doesn't can, can i just point out the time is now for child care health care and climate action for all tax the rich so the rich don't fall into that category of all like this no, is the thing there will William. be no child care for the rich There'll be no climate action for them Because they want to kill the climate Uh, Here's the thing This is so obviously stupid That it The fact that she even posts this Shows the disdain she has for everyone And I don't look I want to be clear I don't think this is like an active Self-aware disdain Like I don't just think she's like Oh I hate everyone I think she genuinely believes she loves everyone And she's doing the right thing This is one of the things where she's internalized this and it's become a subconscious part of who she is. She's bought into her own bullshit. Remember that episode of South Park where all the people in, was it San Francisco, were smelling their own farts?
0: Yep. What a great
1: episode. That's what this is. That's what this is. And, And it blows my mind that, look, I have her on block for a reason. These type of people there's only one way to deal with them. You have to block them and ignore them. If you want to talk about trolling, this is the ultimate trolling, is it not, William? All she does is get more power from more attention.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think them it, it, it's one of, it, it's definitely the definition of a troll, right? Like the more you you don't feed the troll. So in this case, we're we've already given her enough attention.
1: All right, well, that sounds like a reason to move on and stop talking about her, doesn't it? Yeah. Let's talk about somebody who does deserve our attention. Mac Jones. Mac Jones. Mac Jones is the Patriots' new quarterback. Uh, The Patriots finally, and I say this ironically after a season, seem to have a replacement for Tom Brady. Now, it's only been one game, so we need to not get ahead of ourselves. But, of course... Everybody else is getting ahead of themselves, right, William? I don't know if you saw. A lot of people had him ranked in like the top ten quarterbacks Jesus. of the week last week. <laughs> Which, hey, uh, I'm not going to complain, right? A little bit of it has to do with the Belichick mystique, the the aura of the Patriots. But he did, yo, know, he played well. He made smart decisions, and that's that's the number one thing. I mean, Tom Brady uh, came out this week. I think it was Brady who came out and said there are three things you need to be a good a good quarterback in the NFL. You need to have um, a good arm. Bill Belichick, uh, Gronk,
0: <laughs> and Belichick? Are those the three things you need?
1: Well, yes. I mean, I, I don't think he said Belichick, but, and I, I think uh, Gronk came in Brady's later years, but the point That's is, we'll true. take it. That's true. What, what he said, though, was internal to the person. You need a good arm, you need leadership skills, and you need to be the ability to think. And he basically said his ability to think, you know, the fact that he thinks. Is what you know made him who he is, and the suppressed premise, of course, is that other people aren't doing that. Well, Mac Jones does do that, so there's a lot, a lot to like about Mac Jones, and it's interesting the way the conversation has evolved about him. So, the Boston media has latched onto this idea that Mac Jones is selfless, and this just shows to me how. This conversation about selfless versus selfish is just a dead conversation to me, William. And what I mean by that is people use the concepts and terms in such a way that is anti-reality that I don't even think it's worth engaging with the terms anymore. I just I just think rhetorically it's dead. And what I mean by that is the the Boston media here, this is a, an article from, you know, a local CBS affiliate in Boston, latched onto some quotes from uh, one of the Patriots players, and Mac Jones himself. The first quote here is, uh, he's super selfless, tight end Hunter Henry said Wednesday, standing in those pockets and taking those shots and throwing the ball. It shows a lot to the linemen, to us receivers. That's big time. So, I get what he's going for. Right, William? He's saying that you yeah. know he's willing to risk his well-being to complete the ball. But at the same time, Is that not his job? Yeah, I would would say
0: he's invested. He's committed to the team. I mean, Justin, the the leadership training this week, I had to listen many times. They were talking about, uh, it's not, they would say something like this. It's not selfish to take care of yourself you have to take care of yourself before you oh can yeah that's a, new, others, that's a new help that's a new meaning that's come right and it yeah. was just repeated over and over and I, as you can imagine i'm just sitting there squirming my chair and saying that's the whole point of selfishness right is <laughs> like you you have to
1: have value and value yourself before you can value anyone else right and that's that's the whole thing is mac jones wouldn't be able to stand in the pocket and throw the ball like that if he didn't have value in himself but that's exactly. what i'm saying that the whole conversation's dead at that point if you're literally talking to people who are going it's not selfish to take care of yourself they're not even listening to what they're saying they're not yeah. even thinking about what they're saying they're just repeating things and it's the same thing with hunter henry here right I agree with him that what Mac Jones is doing is a value. Standing in the pocket, taking those shots and throwing the balls, it, it shows a lot to the linemen and receivers. It, it is big time. I agree with Hunter Henry. So I'm not going to sit there and focus on the word. And then, and then the second quote we have, or we have a couple other quotes, from Mac Jones himself. It comes back to just my family and kind of what they've instilled in me, just always being a team player. And I wasn't necessarily that way when I was really young. I can honestly say that sometimes it was more about me than other people. And that's not how it should be ever since. I mean, that was when I was really young, but ever since then I just made it more about the team because that makes it more fun. And again, I agree with him. I agree that in a team sport, it makes it more fun and you are more competitive and you achieve your values more by making it more about the team than only solely yourself, because that's how you succeed as a team. Now, do I agree with his language? No, but that's also why I'm not going to sit here and nitpick things, and it demonstrates how we don't really talk about these things properly. And then the final quote, it's not about me, and it never will be, and it shouldn't be. Obviously, being a quarterback, everyone wants to hype you up and give you all this and all that, and sometimes you need to take more blame than than they give you and things like that. So I've always just tried to be humble and stuff. It just works out in the long run, and that's the best way to be the best teammate you can be.
0: Never be a beta. I mean, just never ever do it. It is death. <laughs> Why did you play that drop? <laughs> well, just because it, he it's it sounds like rationalization for for like there's an aspect when people say like be humble, right? And, and it's the same the same thing with selfishness here when they when they when people are saying be humble they they don't really mean be humble what they mean is is what what he's trying to what what he's trying to describe here which is you have to lead right and when you lead there's a attitude and a and a way that you respect other people and that you uh, uh respect their autonomy and their their uh you know their mindset that that People attribute to humbleness, right? Being like, in other words, not pointing out that uh, that you're better than them, right? Uh, when you're trying to help someone grow, you don't lord over them that you have the skill already, right? Like if I'm teaching someone how to manage people, I don't I don't lord over them my experience at management, right? That's not the motivation here. The motivation has to be in them, not not you. And people will use the word humble in that in that instance, and that's not what they mean. And it's the same thing here. He's trying to, trying to describe this this concept that people mislabel as humble, and and it's really leadership that they that he's described.
1: Well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it a step further. I I, th- I think it is humble in a rational sense, and what I mean is, William, you're saying he is not becoming so narcissistic that he thinks the laws of reality don't apply to him. Yeah. And that being, you know, other people are independent creatures who need to think and grow on their own. And when you're working within a team, you need the team to succeed. You cannot succeed on your own. And also, you're not so good that like, oh, you know, the laws of physics aren't going to apply when you throw the ball. And I think when people say humble and, you know, one of the big Patriots things early on was, you know, eat humble pie. Make sure you're eating your humble pie. And that's just remembering you have to put in the work. It doesn't matter yeah. how naturally gifted you are. You have to put in the work. And I think that's the the humble or that's the rational sense of humble. And I think that's what he's reaching for. But it's so interesting that the media latches onto this and and pushes this narrative. And I don't at this point, I don't even know if it's intentional. It goes back to what you were yeah. saying about. It's not selfish to take care of yourself. Like I don't I don't think. I think people are just so used to repeating these things. Yeah, they are. I think we've gotten to the point that we're realizing the self-care is important and we're realizing valuing ourselves is important, but we don't know how to say it anymore. And that's why I'm saying I think the language is dead. I would never in my life describe Mac Jones as selfless, but I would describe him so far as a good teammate who puts in the work and doesn't think he's... More important than everybody else simply because he's a quarterback. That's how yeah. I would describe him. And I think that's part of why he fell in the draft because I, he was never flashy at Alabama. He just threw to the receivers and he let them take the credit for everything he did. You know, it was always, oh, the receivers are better than Mac Jones because he wasn't hyping himself up. And that's what people will call humble and selfless. And that's what I would call just somebody who likes to play football and just. Focuses on the football rather than, as Belichick says, ignore the noise. He was never focused on the noise. He was taught by Nick Saban. Now he's with Bill Belichick. Those are people who are reality-focused. He is reality-focused. That's how I would describe him.
0: Yep. I I couldn't let this segment go without pointing out the newfound glory glory song, uh, Selfless, which in my head always is selfish. So I just, uh, you know, find and replace
1: in my head. Well, that song's interesting and I don't know if we've talked about it on air before. That song's interesting cuz it does the same thing, right? It's yeah. like uh, let me let me pull up the lyrics here while we're talking, but it's just it's it's so backwards with what they're saying cuz the things they're saying they want to be are actually selfish things. Yeah. And let's see it says, "I just want to know I've contributed, never feel entitled, make mistake to never grow up a bitter dinosaur." I Instead of just floating by, living every day like it's my last. I can catch up on sleep when I die. Like, I agree with everything they're saying. It's just the definitions of the words. And that's why I don't like. I don't get upset about the song when and say they're not my favorite band anymore, especially when you listen to all of their other lyrics. I mean, I've got it tattooed on my arm, right? It's your own life. Live it for yourself. Is there anything more selfish than that statement? Yeah, But that's also why I say, William, these terms are dead. We need to evolve the language and find a new way to say this because people are too dug in on this at this point. (laughs) My pronouns are selfless. Selfless. I mean, that's that's the real (laughs) statement. So something to think about. Maybe people can uh, come up with some ideas of where we go from here because rational self-interest is not the way to say it either. That doesn't roll off the tongue. So we need to figure out a way to go. But for this episode, we're going to go forward into the art section in The Hopeful Romantic with JML. Wasn't focused on- As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord. That topic I just brought up, the idea of what, what's what's the new language we can use here? What are the new terms we can use here instead of selfless and selfish? Right? Let, let's move on from those terms. How can we do that? Drop that in the Discord. You can join our Discord by going to midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast, clicking on any episode link, and within there is a link to to join the Discord, do that. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love your feedback. People have been talking about the trailers in there. It's interesting to see that. It's interesting to see how their reactions are the same or different from ours. This week, I'm going to review the new Clint Eastwood movie. Uh, Last week on the show, last episode, I said I was going to probably see Cop Shop. That was before I realized the new Clint Eastwood movie was out. So I saw Cry Macho. Cry Macho is set in the late 70s. Clint Eastwood is a a burnt out, faded rodeo star because, you know, in real life, he's in his 90s. Now, I think he's 91 in real life. And his boss says, hey, I had a son with a Mexican woman and he's down there. So can you go to Mexico and get him for me and bring him back? The whole movie is about the relationship between Clint Eastwood's character Mike and Raphael, the Mexican boy. He's like in his early teens. I think he's supposed to be 13, but he seems more like 16 to me. And it's all about their relationship and how the subtext is that Raphael's never really had a masculine figure in his life, a father figure in his life. I mean, we look at the title, Cry Macho. So Macho is the name of Rafael's chicken rooster that he uses in cockfights. He named it Macho because, you know, he values strict cuz he has to be strong on his own. He doesn't trust anyone. He can't trust anyone. His, you know, his mother's crazy, his dad has abandoned him. So he tries to live on the streets even though his mother is pretty rich in Mexico. Uh and macho's with them the whole time and protects them and they protect Macho. But they also discuss, you know, the term Macho. And there is one scene where, you know, Clint Eastwood says, you know, being Macho is overrated. It's, you know, it's more worried about like what other people think of you. And there's also a scene, you know, it's called Cry Macho. There's a scene where Clint Eastwood cries. Now, I'm not going to go deep into the thematic analysis here. The most important thing to know about this movie is, you know what you're getting in a Clint Eastwood movie you know, this is part of his stage of his career where he is aware he's not going to be around much longer. So he's continuing to make movies that are saying goodbye. You know, he's leaving messages to the world. I mean, when he's talking about, you know, what's the role of being macho or being strong of being hypermasculine when that's the genre he became famous in. Right. Think of Dirty Harry. Think of all the Westerns he made. You know what you're getting. But with this film in specific. What I will say is the second half is tremendously better than the first half. At the end of the movie, when I was watching the credits, it said it was based on a novel. And that is apparent watching this movie. The first half, when Clint Eastwood is filming scenes of people just talking, especially the actors who are opposite him. It does not come off well. But when you get into the second half and it's all about showing what. Raphael and Mike are going through and there's not a lot of dialogue, but the dialogue there is just progressing the scene. It becomes more of a classic Western where these two young people well not young he's not, young but these two men are out on the frontier and they're figuring out how to live and what they want to do, especially when they get to basically a frontier town. So, If you're willing to sit through the first half of the movie, which is uneven, I don't want to say it's terrible, there's a lot of, I would say, catharsis in the second half. Is there a lot of spectacle in this movie? I would say there are some shots. One particular with Clint Eastwood, Macho, and Raphael walking on a road was a tremendous shot. It was a classic western shot. So, again, you know what you're getting for this spectacle-wise. There's there's good catharsis in here. The problem is how uneven it is. For, because of that, I have to give it a bro. But if you like Clint Eastwood, which I do, and I think we do here in the mid-side, this is worth checking out at some point. It is on HBO Max, so maybe don't go out to the theaters. But if you're looking for something to stream, maybe that's something you could stream. Let's move on to Trailer Takedown. We're going to talk about some movies that will come out. As always, I post the trailers in the Discord on Saturdays. On Saturdays. So if you want to get a preview there of what we're going to talk about on the show, you can join our Discord. You can also, you know, watch them after the episode or you can alternate. You know, you watch a trailer, we talk about it. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. Trailer takedown. First trailer. The Humans is another A24 movie. This one stars Amy Schumer. And I can't remember the guy who played Glenn in The Walking Dead. Although there's an irony at the beginning of this trailer where they're like, oh, that zombie television series. Who would want to watch that? And then the actor who plays Glenn, Steve Yun, that's his name. Steve Yun is in it. So that I think that's intentional. But then also my thing is like, who would want to watch this? I mean, I think, I think they were being ironic at the beginning of the trailer where it's like, oh, you know. Why would you want to watch zombies when you can watch humans? And this is a movie called the humans. And then at the end of the trailer, they highlight the you within humans, but I don't, this is, this is exactly why I hate a 24. And this is exactly why I hate naturalism, William. And I'm interested to see what you're going to say about this trailer, because it was like, they were trying to portray this idea of, Oh, their lives are terrible. And they hate themselves and hate each other. But they have family, so it's good, and life is good. And it's, it's first of all why I hate the idea of you're obligated to your family. If your family is bad for your life, I would say you are obligated to cut them out of your life or minimize them and figure out how to have a healthy relationship with them. But at the same time, they're making this trailer, I don't know. It seemed to me when I was watching this trailer, they were trying to make it seem like a positive thing. Like, oh, this is a positive story. And it's just the way it was shot. It was slow. It was ugly. It, It was the complete opposite of positive. And when I compare this to the Come On, Come On trailer from last week with Joaquin Phoenix. You know, I wasn't a fan of that trailer, but at least it was what it was. And it wasn't trying to do some weird inversion or anything. Would I see that movie? No. But this trailer is almost sort of offensive that they're trying to sell a negative as a positive. I just, maybe I just don't get it. But I do think I'm intelligent enough to think I do get it. And I just think that this is naturalism. This is the idea that we're all suffering. This is how we suffer together as a family. And that's what, this is what family, I mean, they even say this is what makes life worth living, family. And they're, it's like they're trying to portray that in movie form. And that is not something I'm interested in seeing. That's not an idea I'm interested in engaging with. And I don't think they do this in a positive way. Cry Macho showed the value of family and it was moving. When, there's a, a a family that's created in that movie that was moving. That was touching. That made me emotional. Whereas this, I just go, why do I want to watch this? And I don't understand why people continue to say a 24 is good. It seems to me just like a pretentious thing. People say online tackle
0: tackle. This was so boring. I was waiting for Amy Schumer to talk about her vagina. And it didn't happen, so I'm not sure I'm not sure if she's really in the movie. Uh, what was with all the shots of the shitty apartment?
1: That's what like, life is. We all live I, in shitty apartments. I, I don't understand. I I it, I
0: don't understand. I, I I just I couldn't get it. I, I why do you make me watch these
1: A twenty four trailers? I'm gonna tackle. Tackle William, I, I, I bring them on here because they're such a topic of conversation. They're s- they're so weird and so boring. Who, who is who is the audience for this shit? What are they getting out of it? That's why I make you watch them because i, I, I <laughs> this is an open conversation this is an open conversation they get super hype they get critical acclaim and then when you go and online you go quote unquote film twitter or whatever these people love these movies the number one reason i've never seen the lighthouse with willem dafoe and robert pattinson is film twitter talks about how good it is and it got all that critical acclaim and it's a24 crazy Second trailer. This is the night is about an Italian family in the 80s who are excited to see Rocky 3. It specifically focuses on the, the teenage son. And this is, it's, it's interesting how this is wrapped around. So this seems like a, a meta movie. And what I mean by that is, I don't think it's intentionally meta, but it's become to the point now that we are now making a movie about how Rocky is inspirational. So it shows how, you know, Rocky influenced the Italian community especially when we think about the Italian community as you know you know immigrants when you talk about the early 20th century and throughout the 20th century I think we've kind of forgotten nowadays because we have such a focus on Hispanic immigration the way the Italian community immigrated here And this trailer it reminds me of sort of that, do you remember the movie, William, I think it was called Born to Run, about Bruce Springsteen influencing the the Pakistani kid living yeah. in England? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it seems like sort of the American version of that movie, where this is about, you know, the kid's going to, you know, tell the girl he loves her and all, all of these things. This looks like the exact opposite of the last trailer we just watched. And this is the kind of movie I want to watch. This looks like they're romanticizing Rocky 3, which is in itself a romantic movie. I would maybe call Rocky 3 more pulp romanticism, but it's interesting that we're romanticizing romanticism. But hell, we need that. We need that. So this is a movie that I'm actually going to circle and be circle on the calendar and be excited to see whenever it comes out. I will make this a priority, no matter what out what else is out around it. I think this could be. This could be one of those that's secretly good that we talk about that other people kind of ignore. Hug. Hug.
0: Yeah, I I liked this. I liked the look of this. It was a stylized version of the past and uh and it looked uh like healthy male relationships, healthy uh male interaction, um a growth uh you know, it looks like there's going to be some character growth like you said pursuing your values, using art is fuel to inspire you to take control of your life, to, to pursue your values. Yeah, I'm all for this. This looks great. Uh, hug. Mm,
1: hug. Third trailer. Needle in a Time Stack is about a world where time travel is possible, but it seems like it's used in a psychological setting. It was unclear what the mechanics are here. But the point is, it was used, or it is being used, to tell a romance story. But, you know, it has the typical things in here where it's like, oh, you know, what if you go back into the past and affect your future and everything? I don't know if there's really much else to say about the mechanics of this uh, cinema. Uh, the cinematography looks looks nice. It looks like it's well shot. It looks very sleek. Uh, it doesn't look like this is meant naturalistically or depressingly. Uh, my one sort of hesitation would be I remember the time traveler's wife where, you know, I read that book and it it had. You know, interesting mechanics, but they never really did much with it. So I never ended up seeing the movie because of that. But any movie that's got time travel that looks like it's well made like this, this looks like it's well acted. Right. I I, I looked at this. This looks like a, you know, it's a capable movie. It's it's well done. It's well produced. So this has the possibility of being good. And it's got time travel. Let's see how they do a time travel love story with this idea that you can go back into the past. I'll see it. Hug. Netflix and Hug.
0: Yeah, you know, it it seems like a uh romance movie with sci-fi elements and that does intrigue me. Um I I see what you're saying about uh it doesn't seem naturalistic. I completely agree. Uh I Wonder though, you know, I, I like a little action with my uh, with my uh, sci-fi, so that's going to be a little weird for me. But this seems like something that I could uh, that I would watch uh, on the couch um, on a, on a Sunday, relaxing after football. So this uh, this is going to be a Netflix and hug for me.
1: Netflix and hug. Final trailer. West Side Story is Steven Spielberg's version of the Broadway musical. And I don't know what else there is to say besides what I just said. I mean, the production value looks like this is through the roof. You know the music. You know the story. You know Steven Spielberg. So if he hits it, you know it's going to be a hit. You know it's going to be great. You know it's going to be worth watching. And the trailer makes it look like he knocked it out of the park. So... I'm going to see this because this looks like it could be one of those. Hey, it's important to see because this is one of the best directors ever. He took a property and he did it to a high, high degree. Watch the trailer. Try and tell me you're not convinced to see it after watching the trailer. I I don't know. I don't really have much else to say, William. I think that uh, this is important to put on the radar and it's important to check out. Hug. Hug.
0: Yeah, you know I'm not a huge musical fan, unlike the stereotype. Uh, but I can't refuse Steven Spielberg. I have to see what he's going to do with this. Uh, if it's stylized in in the right way, this will be uh, a uh, a could be a masterpiece. So let's see what he can do with it. The trailer looked really good. Uh, the the singing sounded really good, which is uh, you know after all the Disney remakes of uh, of uh, Disney films. Uh, and auto-tuned uh, beauty and the beast uh it didn't sound like this is gonna be auto-tuned in uh, electronic uh, uh
1: everything so yeah let's see it i want to see it hug i am not primarily a musical fan either but as i've shown over the history of this show and william as you know me if somebody knocks a musical out of the park it can be as good as any other movie. I mean, La La Land is one of the best movies ever made. Hands down. I will make that statement. Yeah. Uh, the Greatest Showman, it isn't always a perfect movie, but the music in that movie, I still yeah. listen to music from that movie. Yeah. I listen to covers of it. I mean, there's a newfound Glory cover of it, right? And then Dear Evan Hansen comes out next week. And even just the movie, or the, the movie, the music in that trailer. I don't need, like, I'm, I'm afraid that song that they're showing in the trailer when he's on stage singing is in the climax of the movie, but it's so good even in the few seconds they they play it. And th- those are the same songwriters from La La Land and The Greatest Showman. So I will get excited for a musical if the talent behind it has a good track record. And when you t- talk about those songwriters, and I can't remember their names off the top of my head, but all their songs, La La Land, greatest showman and it looks like dear evan hansen they're all about you know taking control of your life and having pride and loving yourself and having a better life and all see musicals if it has that kind of content in it and we know the story of west side story we know it it's sort of like romeo and juliet in a positive sense cuz as i always tell people romeo and juliet is actually ironic it's supposed to be about like these kids, kids aren't actually in love, and their society sucks. And look how they get themselves killed. Whereas West Side Story takes that sort of same setup and does better things with it. So I will, I will give musicals a chance. Am I, you know, do I seem like a person who loves musicals? No, I'm not the stereotype either. But they're as valid as any other form of the genre. They're as valid as any other genre. And the final thing I'll say about it is like. I saw In the Heights. I don't remember if I reviewed it on here. I think I did. I reviewed it on here. And John Shu, one of the songs and the way he executed the songs is tremendous. So it can be done very, very well. All right. What did we learn this trip, William?
0: I learned that there's a bunch of musicals I need to watch. Justin, what did you learn this week?
1: You've never seen La La Land or The Greatest Showman? or I've seen The Greatest Showman. I have not seen La La Land. What? And, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. You are not allowed to host this show anymore until, <laughs> until you watch until La you La, watch La Land. <laughs> wow, I can't believe that. I learned that you've never seen La La Land. What are you oh, doing? Man. I'm getting kicked off the show. My, my, what are you doing? All my privileges, I feel them coming back. All right. If you don't want William to be kicked off the show... Thanks for coming by and come by the the discord and let us know about that. Right. Because without you in the discord, we'd lose William. And I would also just be <laughs> talking here in the closet and being crazy to myself. And I don't want to sound that way. Right. I don't want to sound that way. So I appreciate you. And let's show William some appreciation in the chat and encourage him to watch La La Land. And if anybody goes in the chat and says La La Land's a terrible movie, you're kicked out of the chat.
0: The pan hammer will come out.
1: <laughs> no, I, w- I won't really ban you, but I will I will, I will. will harass you. I will say that. So we're not going to ban you because you can say whatever you want, right? Because freedom of speech, but I will harass you. And then hopefully that harassment will make you support the show by going to the slash store, the slash the cut, buying a t-shirt or buying my book, or going to Patreon or Locals. You know, Patreon is per episode, Locals is per month. The slash Patreon or the midside.com slash locals. Or maybe you can tell a friend. You can tell a friend how, even though I disagreed with you, all I did was harass you and I didn't ban you. And I didn't harass you with like the Twitter sense. I just said, come on. I wish we should have a drop come for on, this. I know, we oh, I know what the drop is. Play it. Play the beta drop. Never be a beta. Just never ever do it. <laughs> it is death. I love that drop because. That is exactly somebody saying what he thinks he's supposed to say. That's actually sort of like the male AOC. Yeah. Oh, the pickup the pickup artist community, that's a whole other topic. That's another show. That's another show. Somebody should I, I still think somebody should make a movie about it. Anyway, this concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Demaznesky reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Never, ever, ever be a beta. You know, people are going to think we're serious with that beta drop. (laughs) That's what makes it funny. Yeah, it's true. It's true.